a lot, isn't it? Hey everyone and welcome to another week of It's A Lot with Abby Chatfield. Um, Today we have kind of an impromptu solo episode. I am recording this at about 9.40 on uh, Monday night um, after I finished watching the latest Bachelor in Paradise, which I won't speak about because I'm not allowed to. Um, But yeah, I was supposed to have a really exciting guest this week, but he couldn't record at the time he wanted to record. And then now he may not be able to record at all. So I'm just trying to figure out with him if he can or not, because it was someone that I really, really wanted to have on. But um, nevertheless, I always have a lot to talk about anyway. Um, I always have a lot of shit to talk and um, that's why you guys are here, right? Um, Now, I promise in the podcast group, some of you who listen are probably not in the podcast group, but I did promise that uh soon I will explain the entire ex-boyfriend that I love story um kind of because um I'll give you a quick rundown now so after I finished Bachelor in Paradise filming I came back to Brisbane I had something going on with someone else and then I kind of got back with my ex and we were going okay and then we kind of broke up again for the millionth time. <laughs> I'm like rolling my eyes at myself. Um, for the millionth time in around uh, end of April, but we were breaking up for about a month or so because that's just what we do. Um, but we now haven't spoken in um, – um, we haven't spoken in like eight weeks now. Oh, my God, why am I crying? Um, so – that's weird. Um, we've never gone this song about talking and he kind of ghosted me after my grandma passed away, which was not good. So I will give you guys a full rundown next week, like literally <laughs> from that weird laugh <laughs> um, from the start when I met him in 2017 or 20. No, no, 26. No, surely not. Anyway, a few years ago I met him um, up to now. Um, which will be, it'll probably honestly be like a two hour long episode, just so you're aware. I'm getting my um, my best friends, Georgie, to come and record it with me. I think tomorrow night she'll come over. Um, but if I'm going to go do all the detail, it'll be so long. But I don't know. I feel like the reason I want to do it isn't even to like expose him because I'm not going to say his name. It's It's literally because I know that he will not talk to me again if I do this. He'll be so mad. <laughs> And this is the one thing that I can do to make him not speak to me again um, is tell everyone his business of what he did. Um, so I, I, I want to like close the chapter to be in other healthy relationships. So that is coming next week, I think. And then the week after, hopefully will be the person that was for today. But if not, I have some amazing guests coming up that I have planned and I'm really excited about. Also, thank you all so much for uh, emailing in your own uh, guest suggestions either for yourself or for other people that you know. I really appreciate it. I'm getting through the emails. I spent a very few weeks traveling to Sydney, which was crazy with COVID. Um, but I'm kind of back doing work stuff soon. Um, merch should be here pretty soon as well. Um, I don't know how long, but um, everything's tracking really nicely. So that's kind of all the housekeeping. Now, if you guys do have a question for the podcast that I can ask myself or you can ask someone else, wait. No, that it'll be by myself or that it will be for a guested episode, unsure why I said ask someone else, um, then you can email me at itsalotpod at gmail.com. You can send me a voice memo or uh, just email me normally or you can also send me your phone number along with your email address. You can still say anonymous but I'll give you a call and we can talk things through rather than it being um, – you know, a one-sided thing because often you guys send me emails and I kind of want to know more because <clears throat> obviously I don't know all the context of your lives. So I kind of wanted to start 
today's solo episode off. I'm going to have more of a structure this time. Usually it's just me blabbing on, but I posted on Instagram this morning asking you guys uh, what you kind of wanted to hear from me today. And I said that I was going to talk about how to be happy being single. And I got a lot of positive feedback um, about that. And I got a lot of questions. And one that I got that really stood out to me was how to be happy being single, not just laughing, fake, happy, ha ha, but genuinely happy. And this is something that I completely resonate with. You know, when you're going through a breakup or even just when you're like, you've been single for a while and you are fine, like nothing's wrong. You're not, you're not overly depressed or having a really awful time, but you're just kind of like going through the motions and you feel like you need that external validation um, to get through. Now, I felt like that literally my whole life until probably the last, I'm going to say six weeks. So maybe my word isn't Bible, but this is my experience with it because everyone, I think a lot of people think that um, oh, like she's Abby's so confident and so happy being alone. Yeah, cool, I am. Um, but I also have always had my ex boyfriend, like always there. This is the first time in my adult life that I haven't been dating someone, even if I'm not completely with someone. I'm always seeing someone, like I am always, and that isn't even intentional. It just happens. Like if I break up with my ex boyfriend that I love, then um, well, that I hate now, but um, then. I will probably start seeing someone within like a week or two. And this is the longest period of time that I've gone without dating someone, even just casually, even just like sleeping with someone regularly. Um, like I haven't had sex in three months. Kill me. Um, but uh, thank God for my voice. You can use my code Abby for 65% off, just a reminder. Um, but this is a really strange time for me. But I think in this time, along with therapy and along with being on my antidepressants, and also I think because of quarantine, having a lot of time to myself to think and kind of being forced to be alone um, and put energy into things that I want to put energy into, I feel like I am like I am the wisest now that I've been, that I've been my entire life about this. And you'd hope so because I'm, I'm getting older. But I, I feel a huge shift in the way that I'm thinking even um, compared to January or February this year, I feel as though I'm really, really growing. And this is the first time in my life that I've been happy to be single. And I was talking to um, Cisha, my friend who was on a few episodes ago about it on her birthday on Saturday. And we were just like, there's just this other level of happiness that you can have when you're single and happy. And it actually, for me and for her, we were saying it goes beyond any kind of happiness that I can get from someone else. And it sounds so cliche. And I know anyone listening right now who is single and is having a pooey time or even just an average time is like, shut up. That's not for everyone. You, you're deluded or um, I'm never going to feel like that. That's exactly how I felt fucking three months ago. So just, just hear me out. Hear me out. I'm not trying to be a life coach here, but I'm just, I'm trying to give you guys hope and some perspective because I guess lots of time with my girlfriends over quarantine um, being completely single and going to therapy at least once a week is making my mindset change like that. Like it is, it's crazy. So I wrote this article for Pop Sugar. If you'd like to read the whole thing, um, I'll put a link in the, um, description for this episode, but I'm just going to hit the main points. Oh, that sniffle. Sorry, guys. Also, I'm not going to edit this because it's 9.30. And honestly, guys, this is real. This is me. It's exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to let the light. What? Shine on me. Um, yep, that's probably hurt someone's ears while they were on the bus to work. I apologize. Okay, cool. So the questions that I got from you guys is basically how do I be happy being single without being fake happy. How do I, how do I be happy? Um, when I'm just out of a relationship, how do I be happy when I'm a woman who has a timeline? And there's all these different things that all kind of, I, I think I explained well in this article. I got a lot of DMS from you guys. Usually these articles, I get like a few DMS, but this was like, when we uploaded it, it was, I got, I got like 
40 DMs, which is a lot for this, these articles because they're quite long. They're about a thousand words long, the ones that I write. So, all right. First of all, I, I, I guess the main thing that I want to focus on, because a lot of people listening are, um, are uh, born female. So you'll have, if, oh, okay, sorry. A lot of people listening will have uteruses. That's what I want to say. So you have a biological um, timeline, right? You have a, you have a clock, tick tock, as I like to remind us. Um, and that can all add a lot of pressure. I think that when I was younger anyway, and I think this is the case for a lot of people, when you're like around eight, right? You say, I'm going to be married at 26. For some reason, it's always 26. You're going to have kids at 28. And then we're going to have two boys and a girl and the boy's going to be older. And then we're going to be young parents by the time the kids graduate be 50, then go to Montenegro and go on holidays, which is great. If that's your life, that's great. Like if you've succeeded in that and that's what you've wanted, babe, all the power to you, proud of you. If you're a young mum, proud of you, well done. But I think that this timeline puts a lot of pressure on us and I think that it, it makes it more stressful to be a woman. Um, be a single woman um, or a single person has a uterus because there's this additional pressure not only of am I going to be alone for the next five years but now see now that I'm 25 I think I have about 10 years left um, before I maybe start freezing my eggs or, or something similar to be able to have children um, and I kind of only, I've only decided in the past couple of weeks that I definitely want children whether or not I'm with someone um, as long as I can financially afford it. Uh, but like, for example, if I'm, if I'm single by the time I'm 30, I will probably freeze my eggs and probably do, um, get a sperm donor or, you know, have one of my gay friends have a kid with me, not even trying to be funny. Um, uh, because I, I do want kids, but there's this additional pressure of if you don't find someone with enough lead time, like enough run up as a woman to get committed, to be sure it's the right person to have a kid with, to then marry them and then, and then have a kid. And then it's a nine month period and you want more than one kid and you wouldn't and you have all the money at the right time and it needs to all line up. It's very stressful. And I think that it adds to us kind of sitting around if we're single for more than a fucking minute and going, Oh my God, like, I need to hurry the fuck up. Like you feel this pressure over, you see your friends who are in two-year relationships and you think, well, they've got a two-year head start on me. And while that isn't the case, because they could break up in a minute and they're exactly where you are, or they could not want kids. That could not be something they want. But for those of us who have uteruses and want kids, you start to freak the fuck out if that is something that you want and that is something that you are able to have. Now, obviously there's a whole other issue of not being able to have kids. And I'm sorry if I've triggered anyone um, with that. I do think though society puts a whole timeline on, on us having kids and being happy in this relationship and women are more confined to that relation to that timeline of the relationship. Men can kind of get married at like 45 to a 25 year old, have kids done. It's not an issue for them. So that's why I think we find that women have this trope of being desperate and needy and wanting commitment all the time, obviously, because there's the issue of kids. Um, while it is a trope and it is a stereotype, I find it to be more common. And even in myself, I think, and I'm someone who's very, very happy being alone. I'm very independent. I love living alone. The thought of a man even staying over my apartment right now makes me want to punch a pillow. Like I, like I don't want anyone in my space, but I do want kids. So I think that I still have this thing of like, fuck, I better get a wriggle on. Even though my ex-boyfriend and I broke up two months ago, I think Jesus, I'm 25 if I'm going to have kids by the time I'm 30 and if I'm sure, then I I need to, someone needs to impregnate me in the next five years. Five years ago, I was 20, I was 20 and I was, that seems like it was yesterday. Like things go fast. Um, so I think the first thing if we need to do is just think about our timelines and throw them out the fucking door because you know what happens when you think about your timeline? If you focus on your timeline you allow for toxicity to enter into your life because you will settle. So if you're going around thinking I need to get married by, let's say it's 30, you know, 25, like me, you're going to let a lot more frogs in, aren't we? We're going we're gonna to give a few more goes to a lot more people. 
we're going to be more susceptible to believing what you want to believe because we, we want, we want that happy ending. We want that fairy tale. So we're going to see a guy who is offering us the world and more and just believe it automatically and commit to that. And while there are good, there are great people out there, there are great guys out there. This obviously heightens our chances of settling and maybe allowing for things to happen that we wouldn't normally allow to happen. You could have an amazing relationship that turns sour at the age of 29, right? So if we're going on that timeline of being 30, you kind of think, well, I've spent the past four years in this relationship. I have to stay because I, I want, I, this timeline is in my head. And I think that isn't a quote unquote crazy thing to feel or to think. I think that's very reasonable to feel as though life is passing you by and if you've invested this much energy into something, right, you don't want to throw it away. But I think the way that we prevent getting into these situations and and like April and I were talking about last week about red flags, listen to that if you haven't already. It's a really good episode. Um, if we scrap the timeline, we allow ourselves to recognize more flags, whether they're red flags, yellow flags or green flags. If we don't have a timeline in mind and we just take things as they come in the relationship and don't really – I mean, have a good outlook, plan ahead, but don't put too much weight on one person and one person fitting into your timeline. Then I think we allow for more successful relationships and more fulfilling relationships. Um, I think again, see, I'm. I feel like I, I sound like a motivational speaker right now, but. If do you really want to be with someone just for the sake of being someone and have children with someone just because they're there only on the merit of them fitting into your timeline? Is that what you want? And even if you stay together for the rest of your life, do you want to be fulfilled only by an external validation for the rest of your life because they fit your timeline? I don't think so. And that kind of leads me back to what I originally was saying, and one of the main points of the, what I've realized now that I've been single and talking to Cisha is you need to invest in yourself. And I know someone just rolled their eyes. I know someone just went, oh, this dickhead, like, oh, invest in yourself, yeah. which is really cliche. But I think that it's something that I've never really done, though I've been very um, not self-centered, but I, I've always done things that make me happy like yoga and like go to the beach and like I'll have days, I'll go, you know, to dinner by myself or go to movies by myself regularly. Like I always do things like that. I have since I was like a teenager. I'm a very self-sufficient person, but I've never invested in myself or, or those around me to this extent. So I don't want you guys to think that I'm going to go, go and go and do rock climbing. Like, like, no, don't find a random hobby that you feel like, oh, this will, this will fill my time. There's no point in that. And I feel like that's where a lot of, a lot of these advice columns or podcasts go wrong and that it's saying like, oh, go find a hobby, do arts and crafts. Like don't do arts and crafts. You don't like arts and crafts. Arts and crafts is what I'm saying, by the way. It's my, my mum and I have a personal joke. So if you can't understand me, sorry, everyone. Um, I think, I think when I say invest in yourself, find something that you, that you genuinely enjoy doing that doesn't rely on being productive. If, unless it, unless it is, happens to be. But for example, what does Abby like doing? I honestly love watching Real Housewives, eating Ben and Jerry's, getting Thai takeaway, and putting my phone on charge upstairs, away from me. That's what I like doing. That's good that I can recognize that that's my form of self-care. It doesn't need to be this toxic positivity thing of like, I love going for a run. Like That's great. If you do, that's amazing. But I think this is where the pressure comes into it about being single and being happy that you have to find, like you have to be able to suddenly like create a paper mache um, in an exact replica of Paris Hilton's dog. Like that is not a sustainable 
thing and you, you're going you're gonna to start resenting that and feeling like, oh, fuck, is this what my life's going to be, living alone doing paper mache's of Paris Hilton's dogs? Like, is this what my life is now? Like, no, do something you actually like doing. Like watching Real Housewives and don't feel guilty for it, eating some food, going for a little walk, don't make it hard exercise. You could get, you get a new pet. You could, you could masturbate. You could masturbate every day. You could, you could, you could come like seven times a day if you wanted to, if you really wanted to, if you put your mind to it, you could watch so much porn. You could start making porn. These are all the things you could do. They don't have to be like wholesome Pinterest, but if you do have a Pinterest interest, Pinterest interest, then go for it. But I just think that's a, that's a big thing that there's like a, a gap in the market of singledom. I also think a huge thing, and now I think this is probably the biggest thing for me, is refocusing that emotional energy. So when I'm in a relationship with someone, I'm guilty of, I mean, I wouldn't say that I neglect my friends at all because I still see them, but I'll put my deep emotional eggs into my boyfriend's basket. So if there's something going on with like mum or something or with my family, like when grandma passed, I would call my boyfriend over calling my friends. Not that I wouldn't see my friends that week, but I would call my boyfriend first. Um, and while that's, while that's great when you have a boyfriend, I think that I've recently started putting everything into my friendships. I've put the energy and time that I put into a boyfriend into my friendships. I've, um, whenever I feel the urge to text my ex or to, um, even get on Bumble or Hinge, I'm not trying to feel the validation, feel the hole with meaningless validation rather. I'm just taking that energy and putting it into my friendships because I know that those relationships are worth my while. I've been friends with my closest friends for years now, I think like seven years. Um, and I know that I love them. I'm sure that I love them. We've never had arguments. So I know that putting that energy into those friendships is worthwhile and that I will get back what I put in, if not more so. So in previous relationships, I I probably wasn't going to get that back. And if I did, um, I mean, it it seems um, fickle for me. In my my experience, it isn't for everyone, but it it seems fickle. But my friendships it would give me more joy and more energy than any relationship ever could. And I've, I've always known I loved my friends to death, but this new way of functioning of putting in emotional energy into my friendships to this degree is something that I've never experienced before. It also, I also know that my girlfriends and I, again, I've always known all these things. This is, this has always been, a basis that I know my friends are great and amazing that I love them. We love each other, but I now know how much we have each other's backs and what we do for each other and how much we truly deeply love each other. And I think that is a huge source of my strength and my confidence in myself is that my friendships aren't going anywhere, no matter what I do, no matter where I move, no matter, no matter what silly thing I do on TV or what job I get or what boyfriend I have, they'll always be there. And I think the joy and the laughter and the support that I found from my my friendships in recent months goes far beyond anything that I could um, imagine, be lucky enough to imagine in a relationship. And it makes me so happy. I said to Christabel the other day, um, we were having dinner and I was just telling her how much I loved her, how much I love her. And because our friendship, it's actually quite new. Like we only, we knew each other around, around Brisbane before the show. And when the show was airing, we were like kind of friends, you know, like seeing each other at parties and stuff. But she liked to come over and she got me some flowers and some cheese and we just like hit it off. Um, and then we just became really close super fast. And I said to Christabel, and this is not to say that my other friends aren't amazing. I love them to death. But what I have with Christabel, I, I think it it prevents me from wanting to settle for 
a relationship that isn't perfect or amazing because I get such satisfaction and joy from being around her. Why would I spend my time with anything less than that? Like, like our friendship is the benchmark and same with my other friendships with Georgie and Cisha and Charlotte and Ali and Simon and Simone, everyone you see on my Instagram. Um, that's the benchmark for a romantic relationship now. Whereas I think a year ago or two years ago, it was like I just needed someone additional to fill the gap, but I've kind of brought my friendships up. I mean, I, I think this is a bit of a bit of a rant and a bit of a just me saying how great my friends are. But I think when you find that relationship in someone else, um, not the need of validation, but you realize where your time is going and where your energy is going and what level you want someone to meet you at. It is just like an epiphany. And I have never been this happy. Um, I've never been this satisfied in my life. Obviously not everything is perfect, but I'm also for the first time thinking I don't want a relationship right now. I know a lot of you want me to be the bachelorette, but unfortunately, guys, I don't want a relationship right now. Um, I just want to date casually, but not just for the sake of it. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, maybe you can have a discussion in the podcast group about this because I think it's really interesting and I think I obviously can only give so much advice and I think it's, it's a huge thing that a lot of you ask. It literally is like hundreds of emails being like, how do I, how do I stay happy single? How do I stay happy single? And that's, that's what I know. And I think that it's really nice. I think as well. So I was, I said on my stories and talk about this today. So I, um, had a bit of therapy this morning. Love my therapist. And I told her that I met a very nice man last week, like a very, very, very nice man, like lovely. And he was smart and funny and I was attracted to him and it was like very nice and confusing for me because usually there's like three out of four of those elements, you know, like usually it's, um, he's funny and he's attractive and he's charismatic, but he's an absolute toxic red flag ridden man or I'm not attracted to him, but he's nice and he's funny. And I'm like, Oh, I'd be a good friend to someone else or to me, but you know, nice enough. But it was just great. And my therapist asked me if I could explain to her the characteristics this person had, because a huge thing that I struggle with is actually identifying what characteristics in people that I want because I've only had quite negative experiences in relationships and because the, um, I guess the only positive male role model in my life is my uncle. So I love my uncle, uncle to death, but he's not a father figure. So I, I just say, Oh, my uncle's funny and nice and really smart and he's great, but there's nothing really deeper than that, that I can speak to. So for the first time I was able to identify in a man what I think is great. And this is not to say that I'm going to date this guy or, or like this is not to say this is going to go anywhere at all, but it was so lovely to be able to identify these characteristics of him being charismatic and him being um, very likable and, and entertaining and funny and kind of carrying, carrying the weight of entertaining people around me um, and him being intelligent and interested in what I'm saying. And I think a huge thing that I realized, and this is something that I want you guys to keep in mind and, and keep a lookout for if you're single and dating people. And it's a bit obscure and maybe no one else experiences this, but I, I personally experience a huge gap in how men compliment me and how women compliment me. So women will always come with like the most amazing things. Like, like you almost want to cry. Like it's, you're powerful and, you, and you're interesting and you're so funny and, and you're, you, you make me feel so good about myself and you're, you're a powerhouse and all these great words. And then men will go, you're so cute and funny. And I just think I'm the last person in the world to be called cute. Um, but it's kind of patronizing, right? And it's kind of like they're a bit intimidated, so they diminish me. 
But this guy complimented me and said that I was a powerhouse and very interesting and a barrel of laughs and that I was so interesting that he couldn't write me or something like that. Like he couldn't write a script that involved me because I'm so kooky. Um, And it was the best – it was such like a green flag. I was like this man is acknowledging me for being a human with characteristics. Um. So I told my therapist all this and I told her all the amazing characteristics this person had and she was like, so how does that make you feel? And I was like, oh, like happy but calm. And she was like, but but, but why isn't happy usually calm? And I said, oh, I, I don't know. And I said, they've about two minutes just like about to cry being like, I don't, I don't know why happy isn't usually calm. So she wrote on the whiteboard, anxiety and excitement. And she asked me, what's the difference between these two words? And it literally just said, it's like on the office when it's like, there's no difference between these two pictures. Like to me, because of my um, past trauma in my life and in my past relationships with ex-boyfriend that I love and it being constant chaos, excitement and uh, anxiety are synonymous for me. So me experiencing a positive emotion without fear or without um, it being kind of tentative or a little bit wobbly, I guess, doesn't bring the same emotion forth. So I have to have a caveat of it being happy but calm. Um, And I just think that was something really interesting. And I've told it to a few people. I called a few of my friends and almost all of them were like, oh, my God, that's how I feel as well. So I'm hoping that some of you can understand from that as well. And that kind of was like, I was jumping on my seat because I was like, oh my God, this is, this is the root of a lot of my issues in relationships is that I don't think that I can like, I can have feelings for someone unless I am obsessive or like panicking. Like I'm in like fear all the time. Like I used to vomit before I'd see, if I had plans with my ex-boyfriend, I knew he'd bail. So I sometimes vomit at work because I'd be so scared that he wasn't going to come through. Um, which isn't good. Um, so that, (laughs) so that's the whole single thing. That's how I'm feeling right now. And I'm so excited that I can tell you guys what I'm doing with dating now. Like, Oh, it's been what? Seven, eight months since we filmed Bip, and I can finally tell you guys what I'm doing. But, um, so yeah, that's how I feel about being a single. I'm going to go through and do a couple of long questions now and then we'll do a little quick fire at the end for my Instagram. So be back soon. Hey, Abby, just finished listening to your last solo episode talking about Bachelor in Paradise and just wanted to say how glad I am that you went on The Bachelor because I love all the content you put out. I love you and I love everything you say and it's so great that you now have this platform to be able to create content and that someone like me can listen to it. I absolutely love it. Anyway, that's not why I came here to tell you. I have a very caller daddy style question that I would really love to hear your thoughts on. So I have a friend who we're not very close but um, you know, if we'd run into each other, we'd catch up and we'd say hi, but she's not one of my closest friends. Anyway, she's been dating a guy for a long time now, like probably over five years. And not long ago, he um, slid into my DMs on Instagram and essentially said that something that he and her wanted to do was sleep with me. So he had suggested this threesome to me and it seemed like like both of them were equally as on board, but it's not something that she's ever asked me. It's it's only been something that he's brought up. And I would be interested because like I, I'm into girls as well. I think she's incredibly attractive and like I would love to do this with them, but I wanted to make sure she was on board with it too and not just him. So I said to him, like, I'm, I'm interested, but I want to make sure she is invested in this as much as you. It's not just you wanting it and she has no idea you're even talking to me about it. So anyway, the story's progressed where yesterday I got a message from him saying, hey, like we've talked about this more and how would you feel about booking a hotel one night in Sydney and going out with the both of us? And I was like, that sounds like a lot of fun. Like I would love to do that. So if I start up a group chat with you, her and I in it and suggest that, like, would you be keen? I was like, yep, sounds awesome. Like I, I would, I would actually love to do this. So the conversation comes up where her, he and I are all in it and we've suggested to um, to do this and, and have a night out, have some drinks and stay in a hotel. It was all going well until I get a message from him on the side saying, 
that she's not on board with it anymore because she thinks that we're too... It's weird because we're friends and uh, she's not sure, like, if she wants to do it anymore. And I think that maybe she's just, like, overthought it and, uh, and talked herself out of it. But I don't want, know what to do now because it's something that I, I was on board with and it seems like she was too. But now it, she's maybe overthought it and is not keen anymore. Her and I have never just talked about it, the two of us. It's only been in this group chat or with him separately. And now I'm wondering what I should do. Should I reach out to her and ask to get a coffee and have a chat? Or should I just leave it and pretend like it never happened? Anyway, would love to hear your thoughts on it. Thanks so much, Abby. All right. So that is the first question that we have that's come through on a voice note and I'm stoked about it. It's amazing. Um, so we're going to do that more often. I think you're probably more likely to get your question read out well played if you send me a voice note, because I feel like I'm just chatting to you guys and it's easier to hear more, there's more context. It's a bit more fun. Um, so with this one, I think you're probably right. I think she has overthought it. I think she's freaked out because maybe you could get back to your friendship group, wherever you live. It could get become a little thing, become out of control. Um, it also could be that she's getting a little bit nervous about seeing him sleep with someone else. I think sometimes when it comes to threesomes, I'm not sure if they've had one before, but when it comes to threesomes, they're really fun in theory, right? Like they're so fun in theory. Um but you have to be extremely secure in your relationship to have one, particularly with someone that you know. Uh, I, I even used to say, so with my ex, um, I wanted a threesome so badly, but I was like, I'll only do it with a sex worker because I don't want it to be someone that we know and then it, it gets too complicated and I would get very nervous they would want to be with you or, or stay with you. And I think I'm pretty open when it comes to this stuff. So it could be that they've had a conversation and she's realised that the fantasy – is more exciting than the reality and the fear of him wanting to be with you. And that's really, really common as well. There's a lot of couples that love watching threesome porn together, love doing threesome dirty chat, love talking about it, love even g'ing it up, love getting on dating apps. You know, those couples on Tinder that are like, Brett and Marie, we're looking for our unicorn, buy women only. <laughs> um, cringe. Um but I think that that could have happened. It also could be that she's overthought it and she's gotten too nervous and she doesn't want to do it anymore or she still wants to do it but is too scared to say anything. But I think the best thing you can do is just leave it. I really think this is one of those things that you don't want to push it, A, because obviously when sex is involved, consent, and we just want to make sure everyone's totally into it. But I also think there could be something else going on in their relationship or going on in regards to you specifically. And I also don't think that the threesome is going to be fun unless everyone's totally, totally into it, like completely into it. And I understand your desire to have a threesome. I mean, babe, I get it. I've been there. It's a great time. Um... But I just think the best course of action here is to have a little break, even if it's for a few months, and then maybe DM her and see if you have a coffee if you guys, if you feel comfortable doing that and chatting to her about it and casually bring it up in a little joking way and see how she reacts. Like, oh, my God, isn't it so random that we're going to have a threesome? And if she's like, oh, my God, yeah, I can't believe it, drop it. Don't make her uncomfortable. But if she's like, yeah, oh, my God, that would have been so hot then test the waters a little bit. I think you've got an in, but I do think she needs a breather and I don't think it's going to help her if you bombard her. And it sounds like you're really lovely. So I don't think that you're going to try and do that to her. And I think you're very respectful of their boundaries. Um, we've asked a question. So I think you you are, you know, second guessing yourself either way. But I really think that give it a little break. Um, maybe try getting on apps like Field. Um, I might put a link in the description of this um let me just look it up field app so it's basically like a thrinder thrinder it's like it's basically a threesome app field and I think you can do like polyamory and kink and swing and all these different things that aren't standard so field app I will put a link in the show notes also you can go on tinder and try to find one of those Brett and Marie couples with um with unicorn in their bio but they are hard to come by if you're looking for just for threesome otherwise i'm sorry to break it to you girl but 
get a dildo and and watch some threesome porn. Bless you. Okay, so I'm dating a guy who I really like, but I'm worried that my anxiety will ruin everything. Feels. I'll get in my head that he hates me or is over me. And the, the thing is, when I tell him anything he has done to make me feel anxious or worried, he just fixes it. He doesn't argue that I shouldn't feel that way or get mad or feel attacked. Amazing. He's so good, but eventually I'm going to screw it up because I have a big thing with my anxiety and it makes me believe that everyone hates me or just feels sorry for me and they don't actually want to spend time with me, but they don't know how to say no to me. I'm seeing a therapist, but how do you trust he will actually like you? You seem so confident. I wish I could be more like that. Thanks, Elise. This made me so sad. This made me like actually want to cry reading it. Um, uh, so I think it's really, really great that you're in therapy. I think that's a really, really great place to be. I think the fact that you're in therapy uh, shows you, you know, exactly what you need to be doing. That was something that I was going to, um, recommend at the start of this question. Just make sure that you're being honest with yourself and with your therapist. It's a huge thing that I noticed when I was going through this pretty badly, because I've been where you are. I've not always been like this. Um, is that I would kind of not lie to my therapist, but sugarcoat things and kind of say things that I thought would make me sound less quote unquote crazy or anxious or unhinged. But the best thing you can do is be honest with your therapist and say things that you've thought, write down the thoughts that you've had about yourself, write down the extreme thoughts you've had about them and take them to therapy. So they're out of your brain. So you're not sitting there thinking about them, but also so that you can reflect on exactly how you were feeling at a certain time. Cause sometimes it's hard to go back to that triggered emotion. Um, I'm assuming that there's some sort of, I mean, attachment injury. I mean, I'm not a, th- I'm not a psychologist, obviously. Um, but just from my own therapy and from having similar symptoms to this and having friends have had similar symptoms to this, I'm assuming there's some sort of attachment injury. Um, something that I would really recommend doing is reading up on attachment styles. Um, it seems your anxious attachment, which is or preoccupied attachment, that's what that's how I deal with things as well. So we're actually more similar than you may think. It's just that I think I've kind of um, not grown out of it because you don't just grow out with it out of it without any hard work. But I unfortunately, the way that I got over this was to date someone who was completely neglectful. So you don't want that. You your your boyfriend is doing, yeah. So so what your boyfriend's doing is really good. Um, I think that it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So if you freak out that everyone dislikes you and that you're going to screw it up, then you probably there probably is going to be some sort of issue in the future. Not saying there's anything wrong with you, but if you keep thinking this way and if you keep being very insecure and very worried about if everyone likes you or not, then you people will start to sense that and be kind of um, turned off the relationship with a friendship. And that's not your fault. That isn't anything wrong with you, but that is just the reality of how relationships work, right? There needs to be a bit of a give and take. And if you're spending all your time thinking about whether or not people like you, then you're taking time away from the friendship. Um, I understand this feeling though. And and it's, it's not fair that you feel this way because I've I don't think you need to feel this way, but I understand why you feel like people are just hanging around you to be nice to you um, or to be kind to you. I think you need to ask for help from your friends and from your boyfriend a little bit, not just, I think your boyfriend's doing a really good job, but maybe your friends, you can ask them, just say, listen, guys, I freak out sometimes that you don't actually like me that much. Just be really honest. I know it's really hard and really scary, but if my friend came to me and was like, I think you don't like me very much, I would be so upset and I would do everything that I could to let her know that I, that I do love her. And these are the reasons why I love her. Maybe you could ask for affirmations from your friends. I know it sounds dicky and I know it sounds like a bit ridiculous to be like, Oh, tell me why you like me. But I think it's something that you need right now and explain to them. I'm in therapy and I'm really struggling with this one thing. I feel like you guys don't want to be around me. I think what you have to realize as well is I'm assuming you're out of high school if you're in therapy. If you're not, then ignore this part. But if you're out of high school, people don't have to see you. 
I promise you that. People do not have to hang around you. Something that I realized when I left high school was that I had the power to choose who was around me. And that was such a good thing because I went from having a group of 30 girls to I think about like five. And I'm still friends with the girls, the, the bigger group, but my time was spent with people that I really loved. So I'm going to go ahead and assume the people that spend time with you really do love you and really love spending time with you because they have the option to not do that. It isn't like school where you can just, you have to sit under the same tree all together every day and, and talk about the same boys and your teacher. and da, da, da. It's literally like they go out of their way to see you and to invite you to things. They could easily not. So I think thinking about the logistics of that. I also think it's a huge thing of faking it till you make it. And people always say to me, oh, you're so confident. <laughs> um, I'm really not. Like I am, I guess. I guess I am. But I don't feel that I've always been this way. And this isn't just because it's who I am. It's because I I guess I just fake it. And I, and I try to be as open and honest with people as well. My friends are how I'm feeling. If I'm feeling a bit neglected, I'll tell them. If I'm feeling a little bit um, anxious, I'll tell them. And same with them to me. Um, my friends told me on the weekend they felt like I was neglecting them a little bit. So I was like, fuck. And we had a conversation about it um, because um, I'm going, I'm traveling and stuff again now that um, borders are open, um, et cetera. But. I completely feel for you. I don't think anything that I say is going to change your perspective on yourself because that is working to do in yourself. I think a huge thing is going to therapy, being honest with your therapist, writing down when you have these really negative thoughts, you have them out of your brain, but you are telling your therapist the honest truth and ask for help from your friends when you need it but believe them when they tell you things because your friends don't hang out with you just for the sake of it. I promise you that. All right. We've got about 15 minutes left and I'm going to do some quick questions from my Instagram story because I asked you guys today and I think it'd be fun. So I'm going to scroll. And we're going to scroll, 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 scroll. God, there's thousands in here. All right, here's one. Sex on a first date versus wedding month to have sex. Sex on a first date, 100%. Here's the reasons. Uh, first and foremost, if you want to fuck someone on the first date, then I'll fuck them if they want to fuck you as well. Obviously, that is my answer. But it's a bit deeper than that. If someone doesn't want to fuck you on the first date because they think they will think less of you for fucking them on the first date, their issues with themselves, not with you. If they think less of you for fucking them on the first date, they think you're a bad person for letting them inside you or letting you go inside them or whatever, whichever the way the slut shaving is going or their mouth on your pussy or on your dick or whatever genitals are involved. I strongly believe this. There is also because you could date someone for fucking months and sleep with them and have no sexual chemistry. You could be so keen on them and you could have the worst sex and not just bad sex, non-fluid sex. And it's not going to get better. And you've wasted this time on someone. If sex is important to you, you're not going to want to date them long-term. Also, sex is fun and there's no reason to slut shame yourself. Um, and there's no need for you to want to be with someone who isn't going to think you're a fucking empowered queen for wanting to suck their cock on the first night or eat their pussy or whatever genitals they have. Um, because why the fuck would I want to spend time with someone who thinks that way? If I ever dated a guy, if I ever dated a guy and on the first time I tried to fuck him the first night and he was like, you really going to get up that easy? I'd be like, no, I'm not actually because you're a sexist douche. So pass. Next one. Do you have a full-time day job or are you an influencer? I am an influencer, I guess. I also have the podcast, um, obviously. The podcast kind of pays for my bills and then influencing does a bit more and then um, the articles that I write and also I'm still getting paid from other things. Um, so, yeah, I just do ads on Instagram, I guess. It's really fun. Um, love it. Much more satisfying than my last job and I get paid much more. 
And I get to talk to you guys about this shit. So iconic scenes. Next one. What is the definition of cheating? Ho, ho, ho. Now, again, guys, I'm a bit like whoopsie on this one, so you might disagree with me. I uh, well, I mean, maybe you do agree with me. Cheating is anything that has been predetermined to not be okay in the relationship, right? So you could have a relationship, and I used to think differently, but if you are in a relationship and you have had a conversation with your boyfriend where you say, you, I would, I feel uncomfortable if you follow this specific person. I mean, I think that's really extreme. I think there would have to be a lot of parameters around that to make it rational. But if you come to a point where you both agree and they're following that person and you classify that as cheating, then you classify that as cheating. I don't have that big of an issue with cheating. Um, Not that I don't, care about the betrayal. It's just that I don't hold as much weight on monogamy as a lot of people. So I, for me, someone would have to sleep with someone else and then lie about it for me to say it's cheating. But that's just for me. Like that's literally, and that's, I'm not saying anyone else needs to feel that way. If I get, if you're uncomfortable with that, but I'm much more like, I'm much more relaxed with, with that stuff. Um, and that's not because I don't have respect to myself or I just, I just don't, hold weight um in that I'd rather I'd rather focus my energy worrying about something else to be honest because I think if someone's gonna cheat they're gonna if someone's gonna leave you they're gonna leave you regardless if you allow quote-unquote allow them to sleep with someone else or not if someone's gonna do it they're gonna do it um that's just how I feel I mean cheating comes down to whatever you guys agree is cheating like it's up to within the relationship cheating could be you can kiss someone else but you can't sleep with them okay so Kissing someone else is fine, but sleeping with them is cheating. If you're in an open relationship, nothing can be cheating or unless you say cheating is anal. Like it can be anything. It can be anything. So it's up to you. Next one. Okay. <laughs> this one, I feel like it might go on Kyle and Jackie o or something. I'm praying not. I'm praying mom doesn't hear this one, but we're going to do it. How the shit do you give a blowjob? Here's the thing, guys. I have been known to give really good head, um, but only to men that I'm really attracted to. There are some guys who would disagree. You know why? Because I didn't put passion into it. didn't put love into it. wasn't that into it. didn't really want to suck that dick. was like, oh, this is like part of the motions. But I can tell you, ex-boyfriend that I love and a couple of others, I'm sure, would say I give great head. So first and foremost, you give good head by being passionate, being really into that person, really wanting to do it. It's like when a guy's or when, when someone's eating you out. Very heteronormative of me to say when a guy's eating you out. No, when anyone is eating you out. Um, they, if they're really into it and they really want to please you, then they'll try different things. They'll see you respond. Then whatever you respond to, they they really go for. Do the same thing with head. Try a few different things. I like to, oh God, this is going to get so graphic. So the way that I give head, listen the fuck up. And this is how I've given head for a long time and it seems to work well, although I've gotten a bit more into it lately. Kidding, haven't had sex in three months. Huh? Um, but so you want to tease and have anticipation. So when the dick is out in front of you. You want to like lick the bottom, like the base of their dick. Why am I alone in my in my office telling you guys this? Anyway, I'm gonna do it. Lick the bottom, the base of the dick right up to the tip, and then kind of just like stare at the tip for a second and let go, and then just look at them and kind of be like, ha. And they're like their dick will jump a bit, guarantee, guarantee, guarantee there will be a dick jump involved. Then do it again a little bit slower. But then when you get to the tip, put your lips around the knobby knob and get a bit of spit in your mouth while you have your lips around the knob. Then do it one more time. See, I have a routine. One more time. And then kind of like make out with the knob a bit and just like tease it. Just tease that knob. Get that going. Get nice and wet. Spit everywhere. Spit. Just let spit run down your titties. 
or your chest if you're if you're a man or non-binary person. Enjoy that knob. <laughs> Fuck the title of this episode. A hundred percent is enjoy that knob. Enjoy that knob. Then start to get into a bit more. Ease yourself in. Ease yourself in a bit more, and then back up. Back up. Get back to teasing. Tease a knob. Tongue, tongue, tongue. Watch them react. If they like it, keep doing it for a little bit longer because they like to be teased. If they're kind of like looking a bit bored, then get into that glug, glug, bitch. Get that glug, glug all up in your throat. So then we're going to use one hand. We're going to spit all over the cock and just do a quick up and down motion on that dick. Also, I hope someone is listening to this in their AirPods while sucking a dick. Please, if you do, tell me that. Up and down, spit everywhere. We're really into it kind of moan a bit because they'd be like, oh my God, my dick is making you moan even though my, I'm not touching your pussy. And it's like, yeah, touch your pussy a bit. They love seeing that. That's really iconic. Also, it's hot sucking dick. So like we love that. Or touch your dick if you're a man. Um, And then we want to put the cock, like put the cock, shove that cock right down your throat and like make a sound. Because when you make a sound, I've discovered if you go, if you go, oh, and then like, do the gagging sound, like the glug, glug, glug sound, then the cock can go further down your throat and you get more spit. So spit everywhere. Then once you've done that for a little while, go to the balls. Go to the balls and then back to the glug, glug and see what he likes, see what he's playing with, ask him what do you like, do you like that, do two hands on that big wet cock and um, just enjoy yourself, passion, pure passion. Um, if you'd like me to go into further detail, please let me know. I feel like I may have sexually assaulted a few of you doing that. I'm really sorry. Um, but if you have any more tips, let us know in the podcast group, because that's how I give head and I've had no complaints thus far. Last time I gave ex-boyfriend that I love head, I did extra glug, which was iconic of me. And, um, he literally, he lost his fucking mind. I've been giving him head for four years. So like the more glug, the better. Glug it up, girls. No, glug it up is it glug it up is the title of this podcast episode. All right, I'm gonna do one more question. Um, because I'm a little bit turned on by me describing sucking dick when you turn yourself on. Um oh, so a few of you were asking me to talk about my past life regression. And oh my god, it was so cooked. So I'll put a link in the bio for this episode as well and um, the bio in the show notes. Um, basically what it is, I found it on TikTok and I was like, this is bullshit. But I do I do meditate a lot and I do kind of – I don't like believe in it, but I, I'm not closed-minded when it comes to tarot cards or horoscopes or astro projection, like things like that. I'm on witch talk, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm fine to, you know, be open to different things. I am, I'm the last, I'm the furthest thing from a Christian, but I'll believe in tarot cards. Go figure. So what happened is you basically lie down, eyes closed, lights off. I'll give you a quick rundown, but long story short, you go and do a childhood memory and I, was thinking about my grandma and my pa. My grandma used to make us crepes and my pa, because he was in a wheelchair, he used to um, juice orange juice with his one working hand because he had a stroke um, to keep his motor skills up in the morning. And uh, I couldn't remember it so vividly. remember what I was wearing and what grandma was wearing and I could smell the orange juice and it was really strange and I was crying a lot because obviously my grandma recently passed away and my pa passed when I was 12. So that was very intense. And then you kind of go to it maybe a slightly different memory and I my memory is my grandma again um, playing piano for me um, and my sister and my pa. So, um, oh, sorry. So that obviously was very emotional. And um, then... I, you have to go back into the womb. And when I was in the womb, in my thoughts, I could feel my whole body pulsing as I could feel someone's heartbeat through me. Now, again, this could be my, this could be my imagination, but it was interesting nonetheless. So then after that amazing experience, 
you are born and uh, you see your mum for the first time. I saw mum. I was crying a lot. It was beautiful. I couldn't stop smiling. It was amazing. Then you go through, long story short, you go to your past life. My past life was me. I, w- I was wearing like black boots and I was in like this like big dress and I had long brown hair and a very slim face and I could see my husband and he was he was very angry and very scary. And you get told to go to the most important day of your life. And before I was even told, the sentence was even finished, I saw me holding a child, a dead child, <laughs> um, a little blonde boy, and he was about like six or seven, and my husband had killed him. Now, again, this sounds insane. It sounds like bullshit, whatever, like – it sounds crazy, but you know what? It's interesting even just to see where your imagination takes you and what, how crazy and how realistic things can be from our brains. Um, and then you have to go to your deathbed and your last moments of your life. And it's really interesting. I highly recommend it purely just because it's interesting. Um, and it really, um, made me, I have the nicest part about it was the, the memories of the grandma and pa were so vivid. And it reminded me that I can remember, I can remember things from my childhood. I could easily close my eyes right now and go back to that day with grandma and pa. And I think that's what was the the nicest part. I mean, you know, like the, the, the past life thing was funny, but yeah, being, knowing that I can like close my eyes and if I really concentrate, I can imagine my childhood with my, with my grandpa and my grandma made me very happy. And even though knowing that grandma's gone, that I can always go back and have, give her a cuddle, you know? Um, so anyway, I'm gonna go and cry by my grandma for a little bit. Obviously that was a bit deep. Um, but, uh, thanks for listening guys. I'm sorry that this wasn't a guested episode. I really did plan to have a doozy for you this week, but I promise next week is the ex-boyfriend that I love full story. Start to finish. Lots of you DM me about it. I promise. I promise. I promise. Love you all. Remember to join the It's Lot podcast group. Uh, with Abby Chatfield. And also I'm on Twitter at It's Lot Pod of Four for some weird reason. Um, If you want to follow me, I'm going to keep tweeting during BIP and Bachelor and all those things. And, yeah, love you all. Thanks for listening. Bye.